Welcome back to the Sip and Feast podcast, episode number 39, cooking trends that have come and gone over the years. Tara, <laughs> tell me. Your introductions, I like, I can't help but laugh. They're so over-the-top enthusiastic that it's just so funny to me. It's funny you say that because I, I was wondering if the podcast, <laughs> the previous podcast, number 38, was that one a little... Was that a little dour? Was that a little not so positive? It was a little on the dark. It was a little on the darker side. It wasn't like a a, a warm fuzzy episode. If you're but, wondering about that one, if for some reason you're listening to this one without hearing that one, that one was all about DoorDash, Uber Eats, Postmates, food delivery service. Somebody said Food Panda in in the in that. I never even heard of that one until. I started doing research on it. Anyway, it was about that, about how they're, you know, not making America, kind of destroying America, <laughs> like representative of problems. I mean, look, we didn't really give solutions in that episode at the same time. I mean, really the major conclusion was make your more of your own food, which is kind of what we teach you to do all the time anyway. Right, mm -hmm. Tara? Yeah. We're, we're, we're pretty much about solutions and cooking your own food is a real big part of that. Yeah, I mean, I think the alternative option was also if if you find yourself thinking, oh, I don't have time to go pick up food, you can kind of reshape the way you're thinking about the time that you're spending to go pick up the food. Like if you're using the time in the car to go pick up the food to bond with one of your kids or to listen to a podcast that's maybe going to you know, make you feel a little bit more productive or even just to decompress and listen to music or even like meditation or stuff like that, then it's not a waste of time that you're spending to go pick up the food. Exactly. Right. Downtime isn't always worthless time. It's often the best time. Right. Like you need to re-energize. So right. we'll leave it there. Let's uh, get into what is number 39 about, Tara? Exactly. We're going to talk about cooking trends that have come and gone. And you know, I just want to say one of the last episodes of 2023 that we did was focusing on food trends of 2023. Yeah. We liked that topic, and I think you yeah. liked it too. So we wanted to take a little bit of a broader brush with this and talk about some of those older food trends That's that right. have come and gone. We're not limiting ourselves to the year 2023. I mean, some of these go back to the 1970s. That's correct. And what this basically, the idea for this one, again, comes from Reddit, which gives me some really good ideas when I'm researching these topics. This one was, the title of it was, what major cooking trend of the last 10 years has almost completely disappeared again? Okay? So that was under the subreddit cooking. All right? So I'm going to link it. It will be linked in the show notes that post so you can go read all of the comments and there's probably a couple thousand comments by now. So we came up with through there and some of our own ones that we think are really good for this. And, you know, some of these might be things that you're like, Jim, that's not a trend that's gone. I do that all the time still. Well, guess what? A lot of these that we're mentioning here, we still use too. Like we're not... Like, we're not on the cutting edge of of, of trends. <laughs> Definitely not. I wear that badge with pride. 
okay? Like, I don't want to be at the restaurant that has a bunch of influencers talking about it on TikTok or Instagram. I'd rather... I'd, I'd rather do anything but that, you know? I mean, that to me, that would be... That would be horrible. That would be, that'd be like purgatory. Um, no, I kind of, I never go to those places. So the same way as I don't go to those really trend, quote unquote, trendy places, uh, I don't really adapt very quickly to food trends either. I am hyper aware of them because this is what we do for a living. Mm-hmm. No, like when it just comes out and if you ask me, Jim, when are you going to make the video, you know, for gold leaf steak? My answer will be never, you know, even though that is a thing. Mm -hmm. Actually, gold leaf is a thing. So we have a list of about 15 of them, I believe. And Tara is going to kind of like, we're going to like kind of rapid fire them. They are not in any particular order. They're not. We're not ranking them. All right. So the first food trend. It's a little exciting. I don't even know what she put on there. What in the world happened to quinoa? Quinoa. Okay. So anecdotally, anecdotally, how do you say Anecdotally. Anecdotally. I think. Yeah. Anecdotally, I don't have hard uh, data supporting this, but there was a big popularity increase of this probably circa 2007 to 2012. Does that sound about right, Tara? Yeah. I went through my quinoa loving fees in like 2010, 2011. Okay, so good. I'm, I'm around there with the time because I can kind of remember and the price of it per pound went up to a ridiculous level. It was like $6 or something. So like you would go to Costco and you'd be able to buy a four pound bag of it for like 15 maybe, which which is absurd when you think about you can buy how much you could spend. You could get a 30 pound bag of rice at Costco for you know, for less. So uh, it was really popular with uh, like the health craze. They were saying that it was better for you than rice. Yeah, I think it's lower on the glycemic and it's higher in protein. Yeah. So I know it was good for people with diabetes. Yeah, so I guess at that point, probably probably at that point, the Atkins diet, not it wasn't called keto yet. That was what was popular. I don't think you would even eat quinoa on the Adam's No, yeah, you diet. couldn't. You yeah. couldn't. I just think it was like kind of like a health trend. Yeah. Um, I actually really like quinoa. I still like it. I haven't made it recently. I like it too. But I think it's really good. It has a really good nutty flavor. I like the texture. Um, sometimes we'll order um, bowls from a place by us and I'll, you have an option of what type of grain you want in your bowl and quinoa is one of those options and that's, I always choose that because I do enjoy it. Yeah. But I think it's a, a Peruvian It's crop, from Peru right? and it's a seed. Yeah. It's actually a seed. And what wasn't it the fact that so much of it was being exported? Wasn't it actually Yeah, it was hurting the hurting Peruvian economy the, because they were the major, you know, they're consumers of it, but it was they weren't able to buy their own product yeah. because the growers were exporting the majority of it to rich Americans and, you know, rich other countries. Uh right. which is kind of like the history of what happens because of capitalism, it will, you know, what is that grower supposed to do? That grower's got to feed his family. So mm-hmm. yeah, he can't keep selling it there. He's going to sell it to Costco, I guess, or wherever, whoever was buying it. But I do like it. I think it was pretty good. Uh, let's move on to the next one. The next one is 
zoodles. Oh, zoodles. Zucchini noodles, spiralized zucchini. All right. What what happened? We don't I I know they still sell it, but I don't hear about it like I was a few yeah, years ago. Yeah, I think zoodles kind of like kaput. You know what it is? I think the bottom line, again, my opinion, I think they stink compared to noodles. That's it. They're 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 a horrible replacement. Now, that doesn't mean they're not good once in a while, but I, I mean, I think they drove people mad. I think that's what happened. Like they're like, t- like some guy, you know, telling his wife or some wife telling the crazy husband who had the zoodler machine, <laughs> enough is enough. You know, like they're like, no more zoodles. And probably when they when they did the you know the kibosh on the zoodles, that was probably it. They probably didn't have a zoodle again. Yeah. I liked them. They were they were good. Do you see them in Whole Foods or any store? Remember how they used yes. to sell them prepackaged? They still have them. They still do. Yeah, they have them at Whole Foods and they have them at meat farms. They still have them. Like, I don't hear people talking about, like, their zucchini spiralizer or whatever it's called. You know what it is? It's You can't replace noodles, which noodles is just absolutely the breath of noodles from Italian to Asian to all the different world cuisines and just the uses that they're, I mean, you cannot replace all that with zucchini. It's just, it doesn't work. Yeah, but it is, they are good. If you can't have pasta, I think it's a good option. All right. This one is kind of like been, I feel like an on again, off again trend throughout my lifetime. Frozen yogurt. I feel like it got really popular when I was in middle school, so like maybe 1990, right? We were in we were in seventh eighth grade. I feel like it was popular then. Then it kind of went out of style, and then you had all these like Red Mango and these other places pop up in 2008. Yeah, right. And it became really popular again, and now not so popular anymore. Yeah. So frozen yogurt. I'm not an expert on this, but I do. Give you a little bit, a little backstory here. I like to do research on businesses that Tara and I can buy. Like, I don't plan on being, you know, sip and feast guy when I'm 65 years old. All right. I, I just don't, you know, I could imagine branching off into other things. So I do look for businesses and I like to educate myself on what are good investments, what are poor investments. From what the things that I've learned. Frozen yogurt is one of the worst businesses you can ever open. Really? It is made up, the primary consumer of frozen yogurt are young teen girls. They come in, they ask for samples, they Mm -hmm. destroy your place, and your raw material (laughs) is extremely expensive. It's dairy. Yeah. And it spoils fast. Even in frozen form? It's what I read, okay? okay? Now- you can debate. Maybe some of the things the person put out there was wrong, but they were actually talking about these are like investment groups, what they invest in. And they were saying that it is one of the worst investments. There are other really bad investments. To be honest with you, opening a restaurant in general, any food service is is a poor investment, according to the research that I've done. And I got to tell you, I think it's true. I I do. And it's always pushed me away from getting involved in anything. But I actually heard that frozen yogurt is one of the worst ones. Now, as far as the companies that Tara's talking about, I remember when we were young, there was a company called TCBY. Yeah. The country's best yogurt. The country's best yogurt. So that was like the first company. And then I think they went through chapter 11 or whatever. And 
I don't know if they were made up of individuals or franchises. I forgot about them until you just said it. Yeah, then you had a resurgence with the Red Mango that Tara's talking about. They also did not, you know, sustain. I loved Red Mango. You you wonder what the boardroom is like. They're like, we're gonna we're gonna make money here by basically fooling the the novice franchisees into paying a lot of money for this poor business. Like I I don't know. Like you just wonder. Like if everybody knows it's a poor business, how how do you get to that point where they're where they got that far with all these franchises? I feel like the Red Mango. Maybe they thought that they were taking a different angle there. I feel like that came up. And again, I'm speculating here. That kind of came up around the time that probiotics started to become more popular, and. The red mango frozen yogurt is not the yogurt of TCBY. TCBY was was pretty sweet, I think. Didn't taste any, like there was no tanginess or anything to it that you would have from something that was maybe a little yeah. bit more rich in probiotics. So maybe red mango was taking the approach. Their, their flavors definitely had that tanginess to it. I get what you're saying. So I'm I'm just speculating here. Maybe just, they were kind of capitalizing on the probiotic. Yeah, but, but that's trend. also but that's also a fad. And is that I don't even know if we have that on the list. Yeah, I don't want to spend too much time on any individual one. You you might be right about that tower. Like I don't know if like that that's a different differentiator. Yeah. I mean, I really liked red mango when they were around. The thing you have I to, wish they were still around. That, that, but that's also the thing that I think that a lot of business owners or novice business owners or wannabe business owners don't yeah. grasp what you like what you like is doesn't matter that's true yeah so yeah. i mean but you know, i wasn't an owner i was a consumer no you are yeah but i think a lot of these maybe these owners were consumers mm -hmm. and yeah. then they thought it was a good idea I and then maybe they didn't do the research i liked it oh that's all that matters i probably contributed to a lot of their business <laughs> um all right Kale chips. Kale chips. I they Ooh. used to be everywhere and yep. now I like those. There's they're relegated to a one tiny shelf in Whole Foods. It's crazy how things have changed with that. They were so popular, I would say circa two thousand five to mm, two thousand ten. I think a little later. Okay. James was already born and okay. I feel like that's when, when you go to the store, every you were getting hit left and right with kale chips. So he was born in 2011. Okay. So, yeah, so maybe a little bit later. Um, the brands that Tower used to buy, which were, I thought were awfully expensive even back then, they were like, I mean, you're, you're buying air essentially because the kale is not, there's no calories in kale to begin with. So it's like, if you want to look at things from a cal caloric perspective, if, if you're letting $6 leave your pocket for, you know, for a thing of kale, I mean- bunch of kale that's one thing but this was not a bunch of kale you were getting this was probably they probably made 10 or 12 of these five dollar bags of kale chips from one bunch of kale so i mean the markup's insane maybe people just got bored of it i don't know i used to actually like them. i really liked them i free i think it was brad's was the brand name that i used to get nutritional and it, yeast and they used nutritional yeast they had one called one flavor it was just called like vampire killer it was loaded with garlic and nutritional yeast i, I did like them those were delicious and they had like a cheese flavored one now was it you said bragg's was the brad's oh like brad br like the the male name now, brad bragg's is bragg's the is apple, apple cider. cider vinegar yeah yeah so i don't know i like kale chips if they came back 
into um, in style or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, I would buy them again. Huh. All right, Jim. Sous vide. Oh, sous vide. sous vide. Okay. Well, sous vide machine. Sous vide has been like kind of, it's always been niche. Uh, it was got a little bit more popular. Uh, you know, the guy, you probably know Guga Foods. He's uh does steak. I, I believe he still has a sous vide channel. I'm not positive. Um, it was sous vide everything was his channel, but I think he's branched more into Google Foods now. But um, you know, he took advantage of that trend. Like he had he has a very big YouTube channel. And then there was a company called I just wanted to make sure I didn't want to give wrong information here. Okay, so there's a YouTube channel named Chef Steps. You might have watched this channel. They were um there's a bunch of people, they're like based in Seattle. Uh they did a lot of cooking videos. They do did I do what they used to do, okay? Then they got more into uh, sous vide. And then they developed a product like a machine that they basically put all their recipes behind a paywall. So now you have to, you have to buy, you have to be a member to see their recipes on their site. They don't really come out with a lot of YouTube content anymore. And they created a sous vide machine in 2019 Breville that makes espresso machines. Mm -hmm. Breville per acquired chef steps. They acquired that, that YouTube channel essentially, uh, the Seattle-based company that makes the Juul sous vide appliance. Okay, so this stuff was popular. I mean, look, we're ta you got this information from that Reddit post, so it's possible that sous vide is still quite popular. Sous vide definitely has a good use. Is that where you cook meat in water? Cook it in water. Essentially, what you're doing is you're bringing it up to temperature, and then it's almost cooked, and then you can take it from that sous vide point, mm -hmm dry it off, and then sear it. Okay. So you're kind of like doing like-, like you know, reverse like when you, sear? Yeah, you know like when you put the yeah. steak in the oven and you almost yeah. cook it all the way? There's like a reverse sear technique where you put a steak in the oven. Uh, I did this for the prime rib where you like get it close to temp and then you can just sear it. The idea behind this is that it keeps it more red, uniform red in it. Uh, so you get like more juicier bite, whatnot. Uh, the traditional way, the the more the more classic way still of preparing steaks, whether it's restaurants, anything, is still just the sear first and then finish in the oven. That's kind of like cooking schools still teach it that way. But this is like kind of the opposite. Like you're cooking it first and then you're searing it. Some people are diehard fans of this product. I don't own a sous vide machine. I don't. You know, and I, I think from what I gather, people get bored of them. They get bored of having to have this mass like this big machine by them. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, that's it. That's yeah. how I am kind of with other machines. Okay. So speaking of other machines, I'm actually going to segue into another topic that I wasn't going to get to yet, but let's let's talk about it. Paninis. I feel like panini, well, panini are not a trend in Italy. Panini are, that's how they make sandwiches. But in the US, I feel like there was a trend for a while. It was panini press everything. Like you went to delis, like, Everything was a yeah. panini. Well, a failed, a failed hero place, Quiznos, was, uh, weren't they pressing it? I don't know or if they were pressing it. They were toasting it. Okay. That's, that's different. I feel like a lot of people used to have the panini press on their on their counter in their kitchen, and I just don't hear anybody talking yeah. about panini anymore. It's funny. You're right about that. I've thought about getting one for us and making some videos, but now that you're saying that it's like out of style and whatnot, it, they probably won't do too well. I mean, Cuban sandwich, they still use a panini press for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. you have to, you have to that's use that for a Cuban sandwich. That's how that sandwich is made. Yeah. And I wouldn't call that a trend. That's 
That's how the sandwich is made. Yeah. yeah. But you can make that sandwich without a panini press. You could just use a brick. So just wrap foil around a brick and then just, yeah. you can do that, the brick trick for anything. So grilled if you cheese want, too. Grilled cheese, if you want, I mean, you'll you'll smush your grilled cheese, but like for a steak, you can, you know, like a lot, often when you put a steak down in a pan, so like say like you, you can watch the most recent Steak Diane video we did. You can see how there's better sear on kind of the outer edges, but the inside, because what happens is the meat will tend to curl a little bit mm -hmm. and it's not making full contact with the pan. If I put a brick on that, yeah, it would have it would have be been better. I, I think I should start utilizing the mm. brick. All right, Jim, this one goes way back. What do you think of the food trend of fondue? Fondue. Um, fondue. I think it's I think it's good like once a year. I wouldn't make a business out of it. We actually had a fondue place near us in Farmingdale that I am sure it, is no I, longer there. I think it's still there. It's still there. I think it's still there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So this place that was near us, it was they did cheese, but they also did chocolate and. Well, you also had a, if you ordered sauces. If no, if you ordered like meat, you had to cook your meat. In so they the gave oil. you oils. Yeah. So it was like hot oil, which I don't know. I mean, if I'm going to a restaurant, I don't really want to cook my own dinner. Well, a lot of a lot of the Korean barbecue and all that is 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 popular. Yeah, you know. I don't know. I feel like it's kind of different, but yeah. I like the cheese fondue and I like the chocolate fondue. I think those are good, but yeah, I, I feel like it's almost like one, even once a year is too much. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not into it, but it was very trendy. Yeah. And I think it was back in the seventies, right? That it was. Oh, the seventies is the time when fondue was, was really, uh, popular. I think my parents had a fondue like setup that was like collecting dust until my mom finally gave it away to Goodwill. Yeah. It says fondue was popular in the United States in the 1960s and 70s. Yeah. Along with other foods made in chafing dishes. Yep. And along with um, other things back then would be avocado kitchen appliances. Oh, you mean avocado colored? Yeah. Yeah. Green yeah. kitchen appliances. Yeah. we I had that yep. in the kitchen. Well, I think- we had that until maybe 1989 or so. It's funny how you think about things like that. So everybody had that, or many people did. Yeah. Nobody had a stainless steel, anything. There was no choice. You couldn't even buy it. But whatever we have now that you think looks good, like your stainless steel and like your gray, everything is popular now. Like yeah. I'll do gray vinyl floor, gray walls, gray gray couches, gray everything. It, you know, you're going to look back five years on this at uh, 10 years and you're going to be like, what, what was I thinking? Well, you weren't thinking. That's the point. You were just doing what everybody else was doing. You have to resist that. So you got to go for timeless stuff. Timeless stuff, by definition, cannot go out of style. Mm -hmm. That is not timeless. That is not timeless. That is <laughs> What are you pointing to? Tell tell our listeners. What I you're am pointing, pointing to. to this gray weathered shiplap. weathered shiplap stuff from Home Depot. That's splintery. <laughs> it has nothing on it yet. You picked it. I know because I was I I wanted it done because I was like, we need a background here for our podcast. That being said, we still haven't put a picture on that wall. If you have any ideas of what we should put back there, leave it in the comments, okay? I was actually thinking we could have a, a sign made by an Etsy seller that my esthetician, she had this awesome sign where she 
does facial. She does it out of her parents' house. Um, and she had this awesome neon sign. And I asked her, where did you get that? Because it was obviously custom sign. So she gave me the name of the Etsy seller. We'll make it maybe two by two. I think we still still need to put a lot more stuff around there. Yeah. I just, it has it has no life right now. It, it's so barren. <laughs> it's like, it's just, it, 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 it you, you can't call it sterile either though. It's like, no. it's again, it's splintery, but there's, there's nothing back there. There we needs need, to be I something back there. I think we need some there. like pictures or something. I don't know. I feel like we're, we're in New York. We're on Long Island. I don't know. Maybe we get some like. You want the beachy stuff. Well, but that doesn't go with the podcast. No, it I don't does know. Maybe not. we get put up some pictures of food from, from the website. You, the pictures of food that you take, that you own the rights to. That's a good idea. Why don't we just put pictures of food up? All right. That's a good idea. You I don't know. know. What? Tell us what you think. Yeah. Tell us what you think. And by we the way. Need, we need help. So help us. We do need help. <laughs> we need lots of help. And I I, I need a lot. Um, I just want to, since I'm, she got me thinking about um, Long Island and the looks and everything. Did you see the movie on Netflix? Tara, tell me the name, the title. I forgot it already. Uh, Leave the World Behind. Leave the World Behind with Julia Roberts. Um, and I can't remember the rest of the people. Uh, Ethan Hawke. Yeah, but who's the, what? You got to tell the other guy's name. He was the good, you know, that's the thing. Like, if you're not going to, let me. Well, just I get didn't the, recognize him. Just get the cast. Mahershala Ali is his name. Okay, so Ethan Hawke. Mahershala Ali. Julia Roberts and uh, kind of a cameo by Kevin Bacon. Oh yeah, I forgot Kevin yeah. Bacon too. Yeah. Kevin Bacon plays like the white, like like gruff, like you know prepper prepper guy. Doomsday you know, prepper. Doom, doomsday prepper guy. It was good, but why did they get Long Island so wrong? That was my biggest problem with it. Like first of all, I don't know. That ain't Long Island. And that is definitely not Long Island where they depicted it being, okay? Well, they, being able to see the city from there. No, so they, the house that it was supposed to take place at was a home in Old Westbury, which is on Long Island. Then they also filmed footage out in Waiting River on like the farm road. Which is an hour and a half from Westbury. Yeah. Oh, yeah the, so the think about the difference. The, the Tesla, distance. I'm, and I'm not giving any spoilers here, but like the, there's a scene with a bunch of Teslas that was filmed on Bay Parkway near Jones Beach. Okay, so on the so South Shore. On the South Shore now. Yeah. And then the scene where they're on the beach, there were trees and rocks on the beach. And I was like, that's not the Hamptons. Yeah, the I, I thought it was supposed to be the Hamptons originally, but I don't know where it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be like a fictional town called Point Comfort or something. So I'm like, there's rocks on that beach and there are trees there. There's no way that is the Hamptons yeah. or any South Shore beach. And sure enough, we looked it up and it was Sunken Meadow. That's where it was filmed, Sunken okay. Meadow State Park. Yeah, so everything's wrong about it. Like you would think that like, if everything's wrong there, how much other stuff, but I still liked it. I still kind of liked it. You know, it was, it made you think a little bit. Um, as far as like where that could have taken place realistically and being able to see Manhattan from there, maybe Port Washington, but can you see from there? I you don't know? know. It almost looked like it was, it could maybe Port Washington, but I don't know if you can see Manhattan that clearly from there. Yeah. Maybe. Um, you can, though. Isn't not there a ferry, from, isn't there a ferry from Port Washington? Like don't I, people? I don't know. Yeah, I don't, there's a ferry. There used to be a ferry from Glen Cove. From Glen Cove, yeah. But Glen Cove is is east of yeah. Port Washington. I was almost thinking um, in Queens, Bayside. Yeah, that area. Like, what is it? Little Neck? Is that what it is? Douglaston. Maybe, yeah. but I I don't even know. I feel like yeah. that was like a fictional GI. What is it? A 
not AI, CGI. Yeah, yeah. It was, <laughs> so it's just like, you know. I can't even get my words out today. It's like nobody, it, it, you know, again, if it's for an audience that's not from, that doesn't, you know, it's not from New York, isn't from the city, isn't from Long Island, isn't from New Jersey, because everybody here knows like the geography, then I guess you like, all right. But if you, if you know anything about the geography here, it's like, this doesn't make sense. None of this makes sense. If you're, anyway. a, yeah, if you're a Long Islander and you see a beach that you think is supposed to be the Hamptons and you see the rocks, you're like, all right, that is definitely not yeah. South Shore. We really, really went off on a tangent. That was only a few minutes, though. So let's bring it back. All right. Bring it back. All right. Let's bring it back. Superfoods. So I'm talking about goji berries, <laughs> acai. What are some of the other superfoods? The green powders, whatever they are, that yeah. people buy. Um, the the juices, spirulina, spirulina, the juices. Um, you know, I, I admittedly, I'm not. I was never into any of this stuff. Uh, I think Tara was for a time. One year, the Easter Bunny brought the kids chocolate covered goji berries, and it didn't really go over that well, and they were a little disappointed. Yeah, that was when the Easter Bunny knew I was going through. My my health your phase, health kick my health kick. I'm sca- I'm a skeptic by nature with all this stuff. So it's you know what it is. I think extraordinary claims need extraordinary proof. And you know again, call me a skeptic. If this stuff worked, pharmaceutical companies that own everything, own own everything about us, they would already have drugs patented and be selling it to us hook, line, and sinker, you know? I don't think that, like, you can, you're not gonna find these, like, magical remedies uh, through them. But, you know, it was good marketing. People like them. As far as having a business, yeah, if I had an acai berry place right now, I'd be a little worried. I'd be a little worried that probably that trend has kind of, you know, like, it's out. It's going out. It's not, I do like those it's not bowls, working though. anymore. Like the acai bowls. Well, again, you're talking about, you, you like the yogurt, too, though, you know? I know. I'm, I'm not, I guess I'm not the, the best person to I think it comes down to durable versus trendy. You can make a lot of money being a business owner with trends if you catch them at the right time. Yeah. But if you're like kind of like hot potato, the last one holding it, then it's not necessarily the best thing. Enough about acai berry, moving on. Okay. Here's an interesting one. And this also kind of goes back to I think like the nineteen eighties. Sun dried tomatoes. Yes, sun dried tomatoes. Are sun dried tomatoes still in style or do they have a stigma that makes you think, oh, that's like very 1980s? I don't think of 1980s. I think of 1990s with sun-dried tomatoes. But for all I know, they could have been popular in the 80s. Maybe I'm crossing my decades. I don't don't think the 80s is correct. You're probably right. It is, uh, yeah. Most likely where you got that info was from some young person on Reddit who wasn't alive during that time because- Uh, the 80s sun-dried tomatoes. No, you're right. I when doubt I, it. When I think back to when I first started having sun-dried tomatoes, my mom would make them all the time. And that was definitely in the early 90s. She would always, like if, if she ever had guests over, she would always put out sun-dried tomatoes with like little squares of bread yeah. as like an appetizer. I mean, I worked in like the, the first place I worked at, like, I mean, I worked at one place prior to that, but I was a dishwasher. But the place that I worked the deli counter and stuff, which is like basically like my first real job, uh, they had sun-dried tomato everything. And that was 1994. Five, I think, or 94. Didn't they have a sun-dried tomato bread? 
They had a sun-dried tomato bread. It was actually really, it was really good. Um, I liked how they did it too. It was, you know how they did it? They did it, you know, the monkey breads that are popular now where everything yeah. comes together. That's how they made it. Really? It's funny. Like whenever you think something is new, it's not, it's, it's not, it's, it's not even that it's like only taken from somebody a year ago. I mean, they were making that bread in 1994. Yeah. So it's cyclical. Yeah. Well, it's just, whatever's you know, old becomes new again. Look, you can start trends easily. Like you can go on TikTok, especially if you're like young and your whole audience is young, they have no experience with anything that happened more than 10 years ago. So mm -hmm. you can pull stuff from like the early 2000s and be like, I'm bringing this new thing to you. And they'll all be like, like you see it all the time with songs. Like there'll be like a song that becomes popular. Like that um, that 80s song in- uh, Running Up the Hill. Yeah, in the Stranger Things. They're yeah. all like, this is the Stranger Things song. And people are like, no, it's not. It's not the Stranger <laughs> Things song. Like, or or Metallica when they put it in, in Stranger Things too. Yeah, Master of Puppets. Yeah, they're like, oh, it's awesome. You know, like it's, yeah. this song's been around for a long time, you know? <laughs> the song was, was awesome way before Stranger Things had anything yeah, to do yeah. with it. Do you want to talk any more about sun-dried tomatoes? Because I, I feel like, like that's an ingredient that we use I quite like a them. bit. Yeah, I know they're trendy. I know they were trendy. I know they have definitely have not, they definitely have a stigma attached to them now. That being said, I mean, certain things they're really good with. I mean, one a place we really like, and we actually, I made the recipe for it uh, recently, but I haven't, it's not out on the website yet. It's a sun-dried tomato tapenade. And the place we go to, I'm pretty sure that they use sun-dried tomatoes that are unadulterated. So they're, like they're not packed in oil. And I think they put them in a food processor with a ton of really high quality Parmesan cheese and uh, extra virgin olive oil. And then they serve it to you with the best crusty bread. And it's so good. So, you know, I made it the other day. I used jarred stuff. I just drained them. And, uh, you know, and the kids love that version too. I put basil in it to make it a little different than theirs. Yeah, I thought it was really good. But we but have pastas with sun-dried tomatoes. I mean, yeah. listen, so they're out of style, but then this... So this is another one, marry me chicken. Okay, marry me chicken is not the real name of that recipe. I had that recipe on the site for years and I was calling it creamy sun-dried tomato chicken. And then I'm like, Tara's like, Jim, you, you can't call it that anymore. You gotta call it marry me chicken because some, you know, some idiot on TikTok called it that. And now like, now I got the thing labeled marry me chicken on my website. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I, I'm like, we gotta pull, we gotta, <laughs> we got to delete that. And well, just we had to label it that way because when people are looking for it, that's how they're searching for it. They're not looking for creamy sun-dried tomato pot, uh, creamy sun-dried tomato chicken. They're looking for marry me chicken. They don't, they don't know exactly. I know what's it's, in it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at the point where I want to come up with my own original like recipes where I call them like, like Jim's burger or like Jim's chicken, and then. And then maybe five years from now, some person on TikTok's renaming those. Yeah. And they're like, that's Jim's chicken, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what are your feelings on deconstructed food as a trend? Is it still a trend? Is it a trend? I don't see, we don't go to enough of these fancy restaurants. We went to this horrible restaurant in Minnesota that did something like that. And he was like, you know, Honestly, they went out of business, which I'm kind of happy about because I was so annoyed with the experience of how little amount of food we got and it was like deconstructed. So I guess it could be fine if you get enough food. So just so you know, if you're like, Jim, you're not even defining what deconstructed is. All right, let's define deconstructed. All right, and I've done some recipes like this. So brajol is a good example. So brajol is typically top round, which you might know it as London broil. Uh, you take it, you take a thin slice of it, 
or you just, you know, pound it out really well with uh, your meat masher, meat hammer, and then you will season it up, salt and pepper, and then you will put a bunch of stuff in it and you will roll it up, tie it, or use two picks, sear it, braise it then in a delicious Sunday sauce or Sunday gravy. It's a very, very common recipe, okay? Um, it's called brajol here in America. It's in Italy, it's called involtini. It's uh, popular all different parts of Italy, I believe, I believe. And other cultures have one too, like uh, Germans have uh, roulodon, roulodon, right? Roulodon? Roulade? Roulade, roulade. Is, am I right? I don't even know if I'm right. Maybe Germans no. have roulade, and then there's Hold also on. French's roulodon. No, you're right. It's roulodon. Okay. It's bacon, onions, and pickles wrapped in thin slices of flank steak. Yeah, sounds good. What is roulade? Where did I grab Roul- that from? Roulade must be the French version. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So okay. I, I mixed it up. I mixed it up. Um, anyway, if you want to do a deconstructed brajol, that's delicious. So in my brajol, I do cheese, like grated pecorino, parsley, pine nuts, okay, pignoli nuts, I use raisins. So Sicilian versions most of the time will have like currants in them. So you use raisins here. It's easier to find, but you could use currants if you could find them. And then I put in uh, a little bit of garlic too. I make a little paste, breadcrumbs, and it's delicious. You can sear your piece of top round. Don't roll it, just sear it, okay? Take those out of the pan. Then, you know, deglaze, put your onions in, all that, make a sauce, then put your beef back in there and then add in some of those ingredients that were going to go into the brajol and you braise it together. Now, I've made it this way and it was delicious, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, so it was deconstructed. Yeah. Another deconstructed would be like, okay, I'm making a bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich. Instead, I'm going to have a little tiny, very fancy piece of bread here. And then I'm going to have the most delicious egg here. And then a little t- piece of bacon here. And then. Uh, this most special cheese in the world. And then this fancy ketchup I made from scratch. So now you have a bacon, egg, and cheese, salt, pepper, ketchup. Deconstructed. Right? <laughs> I don't know if that's a, necessarily a good example. But no, I mean, no, they I do, mean, you're, it's you're, done. Yeah. It's done that way. Yeah. Okay. You make It's basically you're making every, every ingredient like, okay, better than yeah. how it was. Mm-hmm. You know? I get that. I don't know. I think it's kind of a cool thing. But yeah, I don't. I don't really hear about deconstructed food as much as we used to back years ago. So I guess that trend is kind of come and gone. Yeah. Here's another one. Bacon everything. Bacon cupcakes, bacon beer, bacon this, bacon that. Is yeah. bacon was bacon a trend and has it come and gone or is bacon something that transcends tr- transcends trends i would suppose you have to look at google uh trends to know the search volume on bacon yeah like over time but i would say that the trend of it being in everything probably has definitely gone away you know have you ever had a bacon cupcake no but it, i mean i think a little piece of the bacon on top would be good but are you talking about using the bacon fat in the in the cake no, mixture itself i'm talking about like a maple flavored cupcake but that has like bacon bits on top that of sounds the good. frosting that sounds good it is delicious yeah that does that sounds good i have to tell you it's excellent have you ever had bacon in a bloody mary um i've seen them make some like fishbowl bloody marys and put a whole bunch of stuff in and then like a big like couple long pieces yeah. of bacon when i was in nashville I ate at some place, Family Wash, I think the name of it was, for like a brunch thing. 
and I got a Bloody Mary and it had bacon in it. And yeah. it was so good. Bacon would be good in it. I, I saw this Bloody Mary the other day. It was like ridiculous. Uh, it was a fish bowl, and they put a whole entire rotisserie chicken in it. <laughs> yeah, it was like a fish bowl, and they like they came in, and they were like like the sizzling chicken inside that, of it. That's a little ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry, <laughs> I I mean, good for you if if you if you want to have it. I wouldn't begrudge you <laughs> your rotisserie chicken and your bloody mary. But f- I, for me, I I don't I don't think I'd want that. I feel like there's too much grease. Yeah, no, it would be too much grease. I yeah. mean, it, it was, it was, you know, it's like one of those, again, we, we don't really talk about it too much, but there's these, there's a whole trend in restaurants being like existing simply to make all their profit quickly from influencers, like people who, like everything is Instagrammable moments. They even build like sections of their restaurant where the background is for the perfect picture. Mm-hmm. It's, it's utterly ridiculous and as the young kids say now trash it's trash okay but that's my opinion all right a lot of people like it i i know and the best basic way to describe it now the food your restaurant experience isn't about you and your significant other enjoying a meal in relative solitude it's now about you being as obnoxious as you can getting the pictures the video, so you can make it for everybody in your social community. And uh, you might like that. I personally don't. Yeah, I feel like I before we did this for a living, I would take more pictures of my food and put it up. I don't know why. Why would I, I do I, that? I don't even do it but anymore. But I don't do it anymore. Yeah. I just want to like- I feel like, ridiculous. I just want to enjoy my food now. Yeah. I feel ridiculous doing it. Next one- and I still see these sold in the stores, yeah. but I, I don't hear about them as much. Shishito peppers. I like shishito peppers, but I agree. I definitely think you're right. They're not They're not nearly as popular anymore. Yeah. I love them. They're good. I think they're so good. You do them in a pan with a little salt. I like them. You, put, you used to put them. Do we still have this on the website? Yeah, you, with the a sh- chicken sandwich. sandwich? Yeah. That was like the best chicken sandwich I've ever eaten. People love that chicken sandwich. That is delicious. Can I know. You, all right. I got to redo the can photos you, on that one. Can you make that soon? Yeah. yeah. That had shishito peppers on it. It did. So good. Okay. Sourdough. Sourdough baking in general, I guess you could say the trend has declined because it was it, it exploded during, you know, lockdown the last few years and uh, people wanted to like gain a skill. So one of the best skills and definitely like a skill that is good for an introvert is to bake your own bread. So people would get, remember when you get, we were getting deliveries of all the ingredients from the stores? Mm-hmm. Remember that you had to get all the so people would like get like be like where where can I find like three pounds of yeast who knows who knows the deal on where I can get fifty pounds of bread flour you know like it was like like back alley like deals contraband. you know like getting it we had a place around here that used to do like haircuts for people you know like it, you know be like what's the password you know and <laughs> get, a, get a haircut. <laughs> Yeah. But I'm telling you, that's probably the reason why sourdough became so popular. And, you know, now people can go and buy their loaf of bread at the bakery again easily. Sourdough is is a good I, – I feel like sourdough is kind of timeless, though. All right, Jim. So there's a lot of trends that we could have talked about that we just don't well, have let's time. Rattle, and, why don't you just rattle off the last oh, ones even though we won't get to them? I mean, deep fried turkey, cupcakes – yeah, cupcake places have gone out of, a lot of them have gone out of business. Again, you know, you can feel bad for these places or you can say that 
the market capitalism is working the way it's supposed to. What, what, you're supposed to subsidize a cupcake place forever if like nobody's going anymore? Yeah. I mean, I, I just think that a lot of these ideas are just ill-conceived. Juicing? Juicing. I mean, don't people still juice though? Aren't I those, think people don't you buy, still juice. Don't they have those juices at Whole Foods still? They do. They yeah. do. I feel like it's not as popular as it was a while back, but I, I think people still still are doing the green juice thing. I got to do the green juice thing. I think we should do one together. Maybe we could have an episode where we start off the week doing a juice, a three-day juice cleanse, and, our, and we actually record the podcast episode on the third day, and everybody who's listening can hear your stomach growling. Well, this is what we should do. <laughs> this is what we should do. We take pictures of, uh, not Tara, me, me, because I'm the one who's got the belly. And I'm going to take a side profile with my belly sticking out <laughs> God, as far don't. as possible. Far as possible. Please don't. I'm just going to look like the worst I've ever looked at. Like, just woken up, my hair will be all over the place. Like, I'm going to, like, shave, like, half my beard. And just, like, I'm just going to look like like a homeless person. And then I'm going to, like, work out for, like, two months. I'm going to go go to, like, the tanning salon. And, like, I'm going to, like, get, like, my eyebrows done and everything. And I'm going to look and then be like... This is what happens in eight weeks when I took green juice. <laughs> That's so stupid. Speaking of that, though, I think we're going to do a taste test or two on the podcast. We right? are going to do it on. Are we going to do it on Patreon well, or on the or here? We're going to do a non-alcoholic taste test on Patreon. But I think we're going to do some other type of taste test here on the podcast. And I, I actually thought it would be fun to get a bunch of stuff from the Italian specialty store, like yeah. packet, like packaged stuff. Like maybe we could do like the quadratini wafers, yes. like stuff that we could, that's like from Italy. We could do the, what is the effervescent stuff called? Oh yeah. Drink. Yeah. For the indigestion. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that might be fun. Like, I think like, that would be great. Like taste testing our haul from. You can see this board here. So everything could be right here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So let yep. us know what you think of that idea. If you'd like, we've done taste tests before on the main Sip and Feast channel. Um, but we kind of shied away from doing it. But I think if we threw one in here and there yeah. as a podcast episode, I think it would be fun. I think they're better for a podcast yeah. episode. I, I stopped doing them on the regular channel because I felt that I was attracting the wrong audience. But I, I'm i not saying like, if you like those and you, you listen, watch our other stuff, you're like, I'm not saying like, that's you. I'm just saying there were some people that, I, it seems there's there's a group of people, uh, there are a large group of people that only watch these type of videos. And the taste tests? Yeah, yeah, I mean, and they're like, and they were getting all mad because I wasn't like abiding by like the rules like uh, of yeah. like the taste test society or something our, like that. Our taste tests are very informal. They're not regulation taste Yeah, tests. they're like, they're like, where's the chart, bro? Yeah. And like, like, so they're like, we're, it's, it's, they're like you spent 44 people. seconds on that party. Yeah. It should have only been eight. I'm I like, know. what is this? I was like, you we're know? doing this out of our home. There's two yeah. of us. Like, chill out. Yeah. They're like, I think the kid knows the answers already. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> they're like, you can clearly see inside. Don't Remember when we put like the yeah. cardboard around? <laughs> I, I know. Anyway. The construction paper yeah. we put around. But it. I do think it would be fun to taste. Uh, and I'm not necessarily saying like we should do blind taste tests here, but I no, think it no would be fun to like, get tests. like a couple of things from the Italian grocery yeah, store and be like, oh, these are really good. I like these. Or 
This Maybe we should just include that in every episode. That's not a bad idea. We could. We could. Let us know but what you think. But tell us. Yeah. Tell us if you if you want that. I mean, we certainly don't want to do things that, that you're not interested in in seeing or hearing. Let's move on to questions. This first question comes from Jan. I think Jan was asking about us doing an entire podcast on the topic, and maybe we will at some point in the future, but I thought this was a good question. How about a podcast about fantasy food destination vacations? Of course, various spots in Italy come to mind, but there are so many other destinations, even cities in the USA. I personally haven't traveled much in my lifetime, but I think hearing about the iconic dishes of specific places would be interesting. So again, I think this is a good topic for a, a later episode, but right off like the top of your mind, what would your fantasy food destination vacation be? Jan, I think this is a great question. I will tell you, I think the New York City dining experience is not good. I don't think it's good. I think it's gotten way worse the last few years to 10 years. Okay. It, I now what's good in America? I would doesn't say, have to be just well. I'm ta- I want to start in America, then I'm okay. going to branch off. Uh, I would say it's probably New, New Orleans is the place I would want to go. Now I've I've been there before, but I want to go again. I'd like to go with Tara. Big problem with the city is the price. It's it's absolutely obnoxious how much and like we you know we go out here the two of us and four of us sometimes we go out for four people the family. And the dinner at not a not a like a fancy place could be with tip three hundred and fifty dollars. That same dinner in the city would be a thousand dollars. I've read from a lot of sources because I've been investigating this that people are having much better dinners in Europe, whether it's you know whether you're in France or in Spain or Italy, you get a lot more for your money. So yeah, I would like to go to. I w- I've I've heard so many good things about Barcelona, like just being like amazing, amazing. Now, obviously, everybody knows like the great spots in Italy to go to. Um, I think Tara and I would want to do that too. Uh, some other areas that maybe are a little bit lesser known. I you know I think like I don't think Germany has or or England has a good food scene. Uh, I know that might offend some of you. Honestly, I don't know if it's a good food scene, but I've like always been, I just kind of want to go to like Sweden, like that area. Norway? Yeah, Norway. Like, yeah. yeah. I hear it's beautiful there. Yeah. Um, I would love But I don't know about the there. food. Yeah. I would I would love to go there, not, not for the food. I don't really know about how the food scene is there, but I'm actually really surprised at your answer. I That I didn't say any of the Asian countries? I would have thought you would have said Singapore. Singapore also is on the list. I just missed it. Tara just reminded me. Uh, I've heard that the food is absolutely, I heard it's some of the best food in the world. So uh, prices will be astronomical there though. And they always are in whether you're there or if you're in Japan. No, we've been feeling a lot of pressure. I think with, it's not even about affordability. It's been more about frustration lately with some of the prices that are being charged to us. Like we went to a place out east uh, maybe two weeks ago. It was like just kind of it's kind of like a bar, but it's but it's a dinner place. The food was so bad. It was just so bad, and it like really just left the worst feeling. I had the worst feeling after going there, and I just felt like I got ripped off. And um, you know, I'm not a vindictive person. I'm not going to like go on the, on Google and write a bad review or anything. But I think I don't think I'm ever going back to that place. We've been there many times and it was good. I don't know if they were having an off day, 
but like the service wasn't good. Yeah. The food wasn't good. It was disappointing. Um, and we've had a lot of other experiences like that lately. The what the places we can go to that are that are really good here, from the food to the service, is shrinking every day. Yeah, every day. I mean, that's the truth. Yeah, I, maybe it's different where you are, Jan. Maybe it's you know anybody else. You know, maybe you're having maybe you're having a better experience. My thoughts, though, assumption is you're not. I don't know what's going on, but it ain't good. You know, I have to say that. I've been to Nashville four times, and every time I've gone there, I've always been happy with the food, whether it's been Italian food, barbecue, you know, the more farm-to-table type places. I think Nashville is a great food destination. I, I, I've, I, again, it's, I've been there four times. Maybe we'll put that one on there then. I, I've always been happy yeah. with the food there. Um, I would also love to go to New Orleans for Jazz Fest. That's when we would go. That's when the adults go. Yeah, I would. I would love to do that. I think definitely like the Asian countries like Thailand or Singapore. I think those would be incredible for food. Um, I've been to Sicily. I would definitely go back there because the food there is outrageous. Yeah, I think that covers it. Yeah, I mean honestly, I would love to go to India too. I mean, I I think that would be yeah. that would be great. I love Indian food; it's one of my favorites. Yeah, I don't know. I I I don't imagine a trip is go, is going to happen there anytime soon. Um, I think I would have to like. It's very far. Yeah, it's, it's but like, also like you didn't you didn't throw in like Greece might be good, you know? Yeah, like some of the Mediterranean, even like yeah. nor like Morocco. I hear the food is is yeah. good there. I think that would be really cool. But I mean, there's just so many places to. That if if like money wasn't an object, and even security, because I feel like now safety I'm, is a big, now I'm starting to hear like a lot of things places are unsafe that didn't used to be like the Bahamas is like now unsafe. Yeah, safety is a big thing for me. I don't like I'm not like why do I need to mess around? Like I you know people go and they like family members or or some of the people I know like you know uh, who I speak to uh, about the business go into certain areas where they. They can 100% afford to go to the safer place, and they're not. I, I just think, why would you do that? So I yeah, I yeah, you can follow like the State Department. It'll tell you what they consider safe and whatnot. And Tara's right. Some countries that have never been on that list are appearing now. It's like, okay, you know. Yeah. Though I know that anybody from outside of the United States thinks that the United States is like the most unsafe area in like in the world. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. the perception that they yeah, have, well, you New know, York city. So, yeah. Oh, and I do have one more thing on my fantasy food destination, What's although that? it's not food. What is it? All right. Before I die, I would really like to have a Guinness in an Irish pub. Mm. That sounds good. Doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Do we have two I, or do we have two or one question? I have one more question. Okay. But yeah, Ireland is is on my bucket list. So we should go. I mean, sure. Ireland is beautiful. Yeah, it is. Uh, honestly, Tara, I just said it. I actually think Ireland is one of those countries that's on the State Department's list now. I know. I yeah. heard that. So yep. that's I, I don't know. Well, Dub Dublin, the yeah. city. The city. Yeah. 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 Next question. This is from Victorine. Jim, what is your favorite chopping knife? Well, Victorine, I it, this this question can only be answered by price. So they're different depending on what your price level is. I said in the past, a good all around knife and it's very inexpensive 
is just an eight inch chef's knife. If you have really small hands, you might want to go for like a six or a seven inch chef's knife. Are there brands? Yeah. So Immersa is M-E-R-C-E-R is a brand that is used in a lot of culinary schools. They're very inexpensive. They have a rubber handle. You can buy them on Amazon for about $20. Uh, they even have a white white handle one that's only $10, I believe. The black handle one is in a lot of my videos. It's a $20 knife. It's a little bit more expensive. It's a Vic, Victorinox. Uh, I think it's a Swedish one. Like It's like the ones who make, um, uh, or the Swiss, the Swiss Army knife, Swiss. It's $40 on Amazon for I a think, chef's knife. I think Victorine might be biased. If I had most of my name already there on, on a knife, I think I would buy that one, right? Yeah, Victor, yeah, it's Victor. Victorine? Yeah, Vic, Victorinox. Uh, it's a really good knife. Now, listen, a big part of it, and then this is a chef's knife. So a chef's knife can chop, it can slice, it can dice, it can even uh, cut a chicken apart easily. And that's what I use these knives for. So I used a Mercer brand. I have a ten, the $10 one, which is the white handle. These are all in our shop. They're all in the Amazon shop. That one I use for, It's that one has a little bit softer steel. I think it's like an RC53. So knife sharpness is on the Rockwell scale. The higher the number, the sharper the knife is, the more brittle it is. But I, so that knife being a low sharp, uh, low Rockwell scale one is easy to like ding up and stuff, but it's also easy to sharpen. So I use that to basically cut chickens, okay? Easily apart, everything. Then I use like their little bit more expensive one. I also use that for chickens, but I'll use that for like kind of an everyday knife. You know, depending on what videos you've watched, you might see some Japanese knives in in the channel. Uh, I've kind of stopped using them. I use a, a Wusthof knife a lot now. Is that Wusthof or Henkel? Oh God, I, I, I don't think know. it's a Henkel. So, uh, God, I'm sorry. Uh, this this a gentleman named Brant who uh, who's a Patreon member and who's been been just just a big supporter since we started. Uh, him and his wife Trish, they uh, live in uh, Louisiana, and he sends like sends ingredients to me, and he just got me a magazine subscription to Louisiana Cooking, and he sent me a whole set of knives. That that's that set in back of me on camera, and again, I think it's a Henkel. I'm like, I hope I'm right here. Sorry, Brant. Sorry, Brant. It's great. I've been using it the whole time. It's if I was to change one thing about it, I'm not being like like this. Look, I'm using his. I'm using the gift he got me. Uh, I would get a non-bolstered version. So if you look what a bolster is, it's something that will protect your hand. A non-bolster, meaning the knife, the back of the knife blade is easier for you to cut yourself. So it's depending on what you like. But I like a non-bolster so I could pinch the knife better. And uh, that will allow you to have a little bit better control. But it's more dangerous? It's more dangerous because the knife, the back of the knife blade is exposed okay. to you versus the bolster is, oh, is not get... sharpened. It's completely flat steel. I get what you're saying. Yeah, so, okay. it, you know, it's just... It's a matter of preference. A lot, a lot of like pro chefs will use a bolster knife. Mm -hmm. So they're not, it's not like all pro chefs will use a non-bolstered. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's just a matter of what you like. All right, Victorine. So yeah, go Victorine, go for the- Vic I like that name. Victorinox. Victorine. That's a nice name. Yeah. Go for the Victorinox if you want. And that's only $40. I mean, if you, if you got, if money's not an object here- then get the knife that I've been wanting to buy for myself for a long time that I still haven't bought yet, and that is called a Kramer, okay? A Kramer, you're gonna buy the Kramer made by, let me just tell you. So Zwillings owns Henkel, Zwillings owns Staub, Zwillings now makes Kramer. This guy, Bob Kramer, he's a professional knife maker. 
He's considered one of the best knife makers in the world. A real original Kramer can run you ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars. Okay, he makes them for like celebrity chefs. Like I'm sure Gordon Ramsay has like a hundred of them. Okay, and then and he gifts them like to these chefs. But then he also has a deal with Zwillings that his design is the same design. Uh, it's like mass produced. Now that mass produced one is still three to five hundred dollars, depending on what you get, mm-hmm. like which which version you go for. So it's still an expensive knife. I don't have it. It's something I might get. I, I just feel like, you know, it's not needed. You just really need to know how to sharpen. That's that's the most important thing. Yeah. yeah. I think you should do a video on that too. I probably should. Yeah. yeah. If you don't know how to sharpen, you got to bring your knives then to a place. That's 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 it. Mm-hmm. Leave your comments and questions to podcast at sipandfeast.com. If you want to send a video question, you can email that to us. You could also just send it on Instagram and or audio form, or whatever you like. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. This is 39, so we've, you know, we're 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 almost to the big 4-0, mm-hmm. which is nothing in the grand scheme of things, considering some podcasts have like 400 episodes. I know, I know. I think the 52nd episode will be the big one, because that'll be one year yeah. that we've been doing it. So Yeah, this I has think, been fun, you know? Yeah. It's been, it, it's, there's been a lot of learning here doing this. It's not intuitive or as easy for me as making the cooking videos, though the cooking videos take more time. This is more, I guess, I'm worried if, like, you think I'm, like, if I'm going to say the wrong thing. Does that make sense? Like, I don't really say the wrong thing in a cooking video, you know? Well, you have more leeway to branch off and, and go off on tangents, I think, when you're when you're filming a podcast or recording a podcast. Yeah. And yeah, that certainly can open open the door to you maybe saying things that yeah. might offend some listeners. Right. Like a lot of people take offense to a lot of things now. So inevitably you're going to offend someone Mm -hmm. all the time. So that's something that I have to contend with. And, uh, you know, I, I do the best I can with that, you know, Mm -hmm. not, not trying to like pick, pick, pick on you in particular, if you think I am. Usually I'm the one that's offended by everything you say. So yeah, she's offended by my looks, offended by my speech. She's just a, your presence offends me. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I'm joking. I know. I know. But am I? <laughs> you're, you're not. You're no, not. They I know am. you're not. They know it. I am. I would have kicked you to the curb years ago if I didn't care about you. <laughs> Got a few more years left. Yeah. Tick tock, tick tock. Yeah. All right. <laughs> On that note, we will see you next time.